All right, I'm in studio with a live, a real live human being, according to the paperwork, Dr. Drew Pinsky. It is good to see you, my friend. It is good to see you, and I, I, to be fair, I insisted on this. <laughs> I did. You were like, no, we'll do it by Zoom. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it by Zoom anymore. I'm tired of this. I've seen this great studio. I want to be in it with you. I want to see you. It's good to see you. We are less than six feet apart, so we're risking everything right You're now. You're risking everything. I'm as immune as I can possibly be. You've had I, COVID like 18 times. I've had COVID. Or... I've had the, I've had the uh, injection. I've had the vaccine. I'm, I'm good. And, and I do something that no one does. I, I'm following a very sophisticated antibody screen with my neutralizing antibodies and my B cell function. So I can tell you categorically, if I get COVID, it'd be uh, reportable. Do you feel like your life's work has led to this moment? No, where people... I don't. I never expected any of this. And I, <laughs> nor do I really welcome it, to, tell, to be fair. But, uh, but I, I will, you know, I took the Johnson & Johnson vaccine myself and I had a nasty reaction to it, really bad. I woke up with a sudden black eye, yeah. which is called a raccoon's eye, which is the presenting symptom of transverse sinus thrombosis, which is the dreaded complication of the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I'm looking in the mirror going, oh, sh God damn it. Am I gonna have a transverse sinus thrombosis? And nothing, so. And nothing. We'll see if so I take another one. We'll did you choose the Johnson & Johnson one I intentionally? Did, I did, I did. I sort of picked it early for two reasons. One, I, I, I react horribly to viruses, horribly to vaccines. So I kind of just wanted one vaccine. Silly me, now I need another. But uh, I, I was hoping just to get by with one. Also, I like the idea of a sort of an old-fashioned platform. And nothing against Moderna. I might even take the Moderna now or the mRNA vaccines. But I just thought, eh, I react to everything. Better I use something old-fashioned. So before we get to the book, which I'm holding in my hands, so I'll put it down for a moment. Let, let's just do the, the COVID stuff oh, and just kind of get stuff. it out let's of the way. So, right. aside. You've got it's, antibodies. You yeah. did Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. You don't have a problem with the mRNA. Is there anything that people should know about the mRNA is, you know, we're hearing so much conflicting stuff. And yeah. I, I had Dr. Brian Keating on my show last week, last week talking about that people just don't trust experts anymore. And in right. many cases, it's the experts' fault. Right. So, well, particularly yeah. the CDC's fault. I mean, and the government, the, any, anybody associated with public health or CDC has created vaccine hesitancy. They've created it. They've done everything wrong. They should have been from the beginning wide open. Here's our thinking. Here's our concerns. Here's the debate we have behind closed Here, they, All that is how you get people who are resistant to loosen up and come on board. You treat them like intelligent people who need to be reasoned with, and you give them all the information. You don't say you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. I don't, I become resistant. It, when, what's bizarre to me is we, we learned how to do this during the HIV epidemic. Mm -hmm. do you, I don't know if I ever told you this. I got involved in radio because in 1983, one Anthony Fauci, who was my hero at the time, was telling us young physicians that we had to get out there and educate and change behavior because we, didn't, we couldn't get people to stop having sex and passing this virus. And I thought, oh, I'm a, I took it very seriously. And we learned across that, that pandemic with a 100% fatality rate. It was the darkest of darkest mm -hmm. hours. We learned that the way you change behaviors is with narratives and information and showing the consequences of people's, people's uh, choices, a little humor, a little music. That's how you change behavior. Not me in a box pointing my finger at somebody. It's so, the opposite. Right, so I've heard you talk about your experience with Fauci then, and, and you've been, I think, very fair to Fauci. I would say almost overly fair. Like, I've to been me, overly fair because yeah. I've been through five pandemics with him, right? He was, my, he was really my man during HIV. MERS, SARS-1, H1N1. H1N1 was a terrible pandemic. You don't even know what happened. That's what I kept yeah, saying during the outbreak really of this yeah. one. I was like, that was bad, and you're worrying about this one. Like, why didn't we have a moderate reaction to that one, at least? Why this reaction? Anyway, but uh, so I figured uh, he had been adulterated by the every, what everyone's get adulterated with, which is the tribalism of our time. And I thought he would revert to the mean. I thought his, his overall function has always been like, his judgment has been awesome. And I would see, I assume, I still to this day believe we'll see a reversion to the mean in terms of him looking okay. However, he finally did something that upset me, which was, I don't know if you remember in front of Congress multiple times, whenever they would ask him about the gain of function or funding. Yeah, we, funding we've went, covered it. He yeah. would just be like, I'm confused. What are you talking about? I have nothing like Two days ago, he goes, well, you know, we did fun change viral function, but we didn't, not this, but we were changing viruses. Right, right that was the word. He why didn't you change Why of, didn't you tell yeah. us? That's what we were, 
that's how you create vaccine hesitancy. Now it's like, okay, I can't trust you. You knew what we were asking. Answer the damn question. Be open about this. Trust the American people to be able to digest what you're telling them and give them a recommendation and then move on. So do you think, so, in essence, he lied under oath to Rand I, I, I Paul? I don't really have an opinion about that so much as to say... Because change of seems I, to be I, the word that he's I, You can't do that with. right yeah. now. You've got to be open and honest. You cannot obfuscate. This is dissembling. You cannot, whether it's, you know, lying or, you know, worthy of sort of further investigation, I have no opinion. It's dissembling. It's obfuscating. You can't be that way now. That's how you create vaccine hesitancy. I've gotten to the point now where I'm telling people... Your problem, I've talked to lots of vaccine-hesitant people. Your problem is you don't know who to trust. So here's yeah, what I want yeah. you to do. I want you to find, if it's for the kids, find a pediatrician. For it's you, find an internist that you trust, and you sit down with that person, and you, too, make that medical decision the way we're supposed to make all fucking medical decisions. The fact that anybody has an opinion about what a doctor does with his patients is offensive and disgusting. The fact that anybody has an opinion about what Joe Rogan's doctor does with him, that's disgusting. Now, other physicians can have opinions about it, and we can discuss it professionally, but for people in the world to interfere with that relationship, that is disgusting. And why people aren't more upset about the adulteration of the relationship between doctors and patients, I, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. As yeah, no, I can see today. it. Look, I, I know you pretty well off camera, yeah. too. I'm pretty sure I've never heard Dr. Drew or my friend that Drew word? Say, say the F-bomb before. I'm upset. So, yeah. so I get it. So it's not that I don't say it. It's so, that I just never heard it. <laughs> but it so, you, so, you, you put a pretty party on here. I find my best behavior. <laughs> I do all right, you know. Uh, but so to that end, I mean, I assume, I've heard you talk about it a little bit. Are, are you 100% against mandates as a, as a general rule? To, I, to, to what you just said, one thing I've learned about medicine is you never say always and never. You just never do that. So am I against mandates? Generally, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm against the idea that this, now I understand that we need to do things to urge populations to do certain things. I don't see where it's the, look, I was in, Fr you've been in France recently? It's very I've only been to France once. It okay. was in 1997. Okay. I, I suggest you go back there now yeah. because it's very interesting what's happening there. What's happening there, they have, same mandates we have, essentially. They apply it very differently. When you go to the Louvre, you can show your EU pass, or go over there and get a test, if you'd like, whatever you want, and or you can show us your antibodies from your natural immunity. Rational. That's not a man that's a, there's a mandate, but a rational application of a mandate. And the really interesting thing is the youth are fighting like crazy. Mm -hmm. So 18 to 28 year olds are in the streets by the thousands. Yeah, you don't see that on CNN. Vive la liberté is their call. This is, I've spoke to, I, my French is pretty good. And I spoke to a lot of them because I was intrigued. I'm like, young people not asking for more mask wearing? I might understand. They were furious and their position was, look, you've educated us, rightly, that this thing is not a major risk to us. Now you're mandating us put something in our bodies. We may choose to do it, and you can help us make that decision if you think it's so. Mandating it, no. And it's, it's, it's echoes of 1790. I'm telling you, they, will, they bring up the same language as 1790. They yeah. raise their fists. And they've got I, a history of beheading I, over there. I, so. I, well, I don't think this is that kind of mob action yet, but that's going on here. You know, right. that's, It's called cancel culture. Right. But, but the, uh, I remember I was talking to a woman at the ticket counter as I was leaving. And I thought, no, oh, she's about 25. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this up. And I brought it up, started talking to her, and she got, she's this big, and she got out from behind the counter. She goes, "Viva Liberté! It's so important. Do you understand what they're doing to us?" And I thought, wow, 25-year-olds. This is their idea now, as opposed to a study that was done at Stanford, where they looked at uh, the irrationality around signaling and masks. They, this uh, researcher went up to Stanford, looked at Stanford students on bicycles. What percentage were wearing helmets? What percentage were wearing masks? <laughs> yeah. 60% mask, 20% helmet. Hilarious. This virus, this virus does not transmit out of doors. It does not transmit out of doors. Even the Delta really doesn't transmit out of doors. That's insane. That is an insanity. Okay, so there's a lot there. So first, are you shocked? We're here in LA. Yeah. It's beautiful out every day. Yes, unfortunately, we are here for now. Mm -hmm. You almost ran for governor, by the way. I don't know if you wanted thought, that to I be. I was in the contemplative phase. Yeah, yes, I was yes. kind of pushing you, yes, too, you but, were. It, but it didn't happen. That was probably when I was here was as close I came to making a serious effort. I, yeah. think I, I think I called Governor Schwarzenegger the next day or something to see what his thoughts were. And he pushed me even further. I was surprised. I thought he tried to talk me out of it. But what stopped you at the, at the end? 
Um, I need a radiation. For the record, because I know everyone's for, for missing. The record, this was before. This was also before Larry Elder got involved. No, I started yeah. talking to people about uh, going to the what they called the money class, which was a shocking thing to hear. Yeah. Already, my naive brain was exploding, but it turned out I needed some uh, radiation for my prostate cancer. So I was looking down a few weeks of radiation. It would interrupt everything. We were still going to go to France, yeah. and I was like, you know, this is not something's telling me this is not the right time, and that was that. And the radiation is fine. It's, it's a relatively perfunctory treatment in the kind of prostate cancer I have. And it's like all cancers, chronic illnesses that you can live with for decades. So You like are, you are a true television professional because when you have to make a point, you go to the camera. So, when it's an important point, trust me, I'm here. So. Okay, so, so that aside, uh, here in LA, when I go to the supermarket, they still want you to put the mask on, obviously. Yeah. To me, I'm looking at people, it doesn't seem as if anyone is even thinking anymore. No. They're all walking around, they kind of, everyone has this sort of glossed over mission, look. Mission They're wearing it in the parking lot. Yep. And it's like, we don't even talk, there's no, why isn't Garcetti giving a speech every now and again, we're thinking about maybe taking the mask off. Like, like the ship has sailed, it's, it's like it's over. I know, the, the way to manage, another way to va manage vaccine hesitancy is with rewards. Hey, everybody get vaccine, if I can get to 80%, I'm gonna get rid of these mandates, we're gonna open up the schools. The kids, I mean, this is the kids. I, so, I did a, I did a you know, do you understand there's, a, there's a, several pediatric, psychiatric associations and hospital associations have declared a national mental health emergency on kids. And somebody was asking me, I was, I was lecturing a teacher's group, and I, what can you do, what can you do to help kids? I said, look, what they need is contact, they need you in your presence, they need you to be on their level, listening and reflect this thing called reflective functioning, where you use your face to reflect the emotions that you see in the children. It's extremely, um, it's what we call building affect regulation. It gets into the brain in a way that words do not. And I was thinking about what I normally recommend for this, and some one of the teachers goes, but the masks. And I thought, oh my God, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. What do you think we're doing, really, to, to the kids at that age? When we I think have, of my All we know is the numbers, you just look at the numbers. Suicide, depression, substance use, it's going crazy. I mean, look, what the, if you're 18, you're, you're eight years old, or 12 years old, or 14 year old, and you start, every time you turn on the TV or get on the internet, you see your parents are in danger, your family's gonna be destroyed, we have life. Of course. You, the, eight, you know, that late adolescent, early childhood, excuse me, late childhood, early adolescence, a very grandiose phase where you believe everything's gonna happen to you. That's normal. The way to destroy their psyche is what, with what we've been doing. So, so all right, so backing up a little bit to, to Fauci for, for a second. So I've been covering this a lot, and I always try to say I'm not trying to impugn his motives, but I am starting to. I honestly am. I, to me, he has bungled this to the point of almost ridiculousness, like literally at the height of it, telling us all to wear masks, but then emailing his friends who were going on vacation to say the masks you don't you buy at stores don't work, and actually then the video came out later, him telling someone else on PBS years ago that masks actually make you touch your face more, but then he's telling people to double mask. Like there's right. been such a series of crazy things that it leaves someone like me that's fairly well-educated, well I talk to people yeah. like you, and I watch him and I think, the, the ship has sailed with this guy. Public health definitely, you know, whoever, whatever public health official has just boggled, bungled this entirely. Again, it's, it was astonishing to me. I don't know why they did what they did. It doesn't make any sense. They, they defied everything we've learned about changing behavior in, in a pandemic. I, and I don't know why they did. I, I don't get it. But um, there was something you were saying, oh, so here's the deal with the mask thing, right? So influenza. Well, you know the whole story about where the where the lockdowns came from from a high school student. There, yeah, right. It was it was something that was never studied, right? right. It, it was, was never just, meant it was like for a anything. sort of a joke. Although I paper, saw her yeah. father online a little while ago doubling down that she saved millions of lives. It was the right thing to do. So he who published the paper that said local lockdowns for influenza is a good idea. Maybe national lockdowns for a respiratory virus, we have no idea. Totally different transmission rates. You mean the people in rural Montana maybe should have a different reaction than people living in midtown Manhattan? Like, right? What? I don't Jeez. understand what you're talking about. What, you is there are a difference a between those two populations? <laughs> but, but, so the mask with influenza, we do recommend you don't wear it because the hand is the primary transmission unit. And so getting hands to the, away from the face is our primary goal. So he was applying the principles of influenza, thinking this was gonna be like influenza. I would defend him on that. What I don't defend is the theater around mask wearing. What is the efficacy of masks? Do you ever hear anybody talking about that? No, we don't anymore. Okay, and do you have any studies about this, do you think? Okay, there have been two huge studies. 
Uh, one was the Danish study, and there was tremendous excitement around this study. We couldn't wait to see it published. We're going to find out how well these masks work. Suddenly, everyone starts passing on the publication. JAMA. Ah, I can see it's where this is going. It's finally published in the Annals of Internal Medicine, right? And it's published, and it's, it shows about a 15 to 20% efficacy of mask wearing, which was not zero, not zero, but not 80 and not 100%, 15 to 20%. Then there was a huge study that came out of Bangladesh that was highly criticized, but not a bad study. showed, again, 15 to 20% in that range, maybe a little less. And that's it. That seems what masks do. People behave as though they're 100%. And wearing them outdoors makes zero sense, like, like none, zero. But indoors, it's like, okay, we want to do something. We want to, uh, but to treat people like they're some sort of wielding a murderous weapon by not wearing the mask, again, we need to educate people about the reality of masks. You're better off just distancing. That's significantly better. So. I, Anyway, it's just a signal. So, so when you talk, when you mention what happened at the Louvre, and okay, so you have to have a test, or you can be tested right there, or they check your antibodies, right. something like yep. that. Like that all sort of intellectually does make sense to me, but to, but where I'm at at this point is, I tell you, emotionally, it's a lot more pleasant because they literally like, what do you want? What right. do you want to do? You but I would give you something even more emotionally okay, pleasant to me, which would be if you've been vaccinated, go in, and if you want to wear a mask. Wear a that's mask. kind of the way it is in New and York. That's in no, New York. I know, and it's yeah. just fine in New York. Yeah. I mean, I was I was shocked when I was in New York yeah. a couple weeks ago. They People just, were they just scan. They put a, they put a they were barely on you. doing it. They really? Were doing oh, it see, when I, I was went there, there. It was right when it had started, and they were doing it. And they're like, "Don't take your mask off. Get out. We'll make the staff wear it, but you get out." Of it. But how worried are you about the conditioning of it? Whether whether you send people the, to the, go check your antibodies or let me look at us, this. It's what Adam Carolla calls crate training. Yes, we've all been crate. Trained. Yes, that is what I am far more You're concerned about. about the mind virus more than the yes. the COVID uh, virus. I, I worry about it. I I, I my my I've always been a stream moderate middle everything, and, and and I think I was a little more liberal, but the liberal kind of left me somehow. Uh, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it makes me seem more right. I am not, trust me. I mean, I spent decades fighting the right because they were the ones not letting me talk about HPV vaccines and morning after contraception. I mean, I, I was really in conflict yeah. with the. Now, seems like it's coming from the other side, which is Don't worry, my weird. audience gets it. it it's very <laughs> weird. It. It's very it. weird. Yeah. Um, but, well, oh, shit, I lost my train of thought. The. Um, well, the mind virus, basically, the, and, the, uh, and how this is... So Adam was just saying how, how we've all been crate trained and, yeah. and that it's complete now. The crate training is complete and they don't have to worry about it. I, 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 I'm generally mystified. I know what I was going to say. I'm generally mystified by people that want orders from without and the people that want to issue those orders. That, yeah. That's mysterious to me. I don't understand why uh, uh, Gavin Newsom would feel okay about this. I talked to a governor, a friend of mine in another state, who called me and said, they, they want me to put a mask on. That, that's not my job. I don't tell people, I don't, that's not government. That's not what I should be doing. He was eventually persuaded to do it because the pressure got so high. I, I, I don't, uh, now I lost my train of thought again. This is what COVID did to me. It, did COVID this is what, did Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It gave me some weird, weird stuff. And this huh. is my, I, little more, I, I have more train of thought trouble than aging alone used to give me. Now Interesting. It's like it, it interferes with my Interesting. Well, regular. we're talking about the crate training aspect of it and that basically yeah. everyone is just bowing to demands yeah. of people who oddly so, want so this to demand the other thing things I was going to say, which is I didn't, one thing that I have changed on, even though I've stayed in the middle and I'm still the same ideas I've always had, I never was aware, aware of how much I valued freedom hmm. and, and how much it needed to be protected. I'd heard about that. I'd laughed about that when military people talked about it. I literally made fun of it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that has become a vivid reality to me, that, that freedom is something to be cherished and to be defended, and we better pay attention to that. And the, the masking is the opposite of that. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't mask. I'm saying you should not be taken by the mind virus if you do mask. You should be doing it because you've decided to make a difference for that 15% effect, and you're doing the best you can, not because somebody told you to do it. So right? the other, you see the so, difference? Right. So, of course. So the other part, then, I would say the next extension of that is the thing that I'm worried about, which is that we are now othering, I don't think we sitting in this room, but mainstream is now othering people who are making medical choices yep. for themselves yep. to the point where they're basically saying you're diseased, which, by the way, if you haven't been vaccinated, it doesn't mean you have COVID, no. but you're diseased and you're yep. going to potentially come kill me, which is an odd anti-vax statement, by the way, if you believe the vaccines work. 
But can you just talk a little bit about the psychology about that? Because you know, one thing that's popped up now is like you could sort of see how the Nazis did horrible things now, when you when you other people in a society. Yes. Well, there's, there, I need to, let me actually write stuff down as I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah we, can, we can make that happen. Because we'll, what's we'll happening is I'm having so many thoughts yeah, yeah. at once. <laughs> but we can make that so happen. So there's, there's one form of othering that I yeah. spotted earlier that I knew was going to be a problem. Yeah. And that was what they were doing in New York, when you have to have a vaccine to go to a restaurant, to go to a, you know, anywhere, essentially. Yeah. And in New York City, there was a high degree of vaccine hesitancy in African Americans. And I thought, what, what is this? You're creating an outgroup. Based on based on historical treatment of a population due to their race, yep. there's there's a very compelling reason black people, black folk, have distrust of the medical system. Yep. They were mis mishandled throughout much of history. God knows on the mental health side it's even been worse. And I'm not just talking about the Tuskegee experiment. I'm talking generally medicine. Just look at the how we treated the cocaine pandemic. Yep. Yep. We treated that as a criminal problem. Thank God I did not. I treated lots of cocaine addicts, and I treated them as people with an illness, the way we did with the opiate epidemic. Point being that you create an outgroup based on a historical treatment of a population due to their skin color, and now you're telling them, because of that, you're out. That is, well, that's, that's as racist as you can possibly be. Yep. And it's creating an outgroup. So there's, there's now we create an outgroup there. Outgroup in the unvaccinated who get sick they shouldn't get access to treatment. Have you seen that? No, this is, this is extraordinary now. That means that anybody who makes a bad decision that has an impact on their medical condition should be prevented from accessing medical care. What happens to my patients? The drug the heroin addicts, the alcoholics, they're all making bad choices all the time. Mm -hmm. Just die? No, no access for you? In fact, you'd have to close emergency rooms because the yeah. emergency rooms are filled with people who are doing stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's mostly what's going on. People in right. accidents, people using drugs, people not taking their meds, people. I mean, it's mostly what it is. And so all those people no longer get access to medical care. Is that what we're saying? It's also against the Hippocratic Oath. Isn't, that, against, the, isn't that the number one thing? I'm going to talk to Arthur Kaplan on Monday on my streaming show. And I, this is what I want to get into with him. He's, he's you know, a medical ethicist. Yeah. He's a yeah, yeah. And he took the position that it was okay not to treat I believe that's what he concluded. It was yeah. okay for doctors not to treat vaccinated, unvaccinated people, which I'm like, I, I just can't well, even. The, the premise being that this is such an extraordinary. Look, I was presented with. I was presented yeah. with treating. There was a horrible. This is way in the late '80s. We had a horrible shootout. It was an Asian gang in a part part of uh, sort of San Marino, Monterey Park, and, and really an ambush on a group of officers. And these guys were animals, and they came. They some of them were shot and came to our ER. I had, to, I ethically had to treat. I didn't want of course, to. Of course. I thought about not doing it. It was my obligation to treat those guys. And I, I thought they should. I, they, they deserved. I had all kinds of horrible thoughts about them, yeah. but I treated them. I did my job, and the fact that we uh, turn away from that is is bizarre. So we have, we have based on race, based on behavior, which is how you get bad medical outcomes, uh, and and then it's hardening them. Right? It's making them into a tribe and it's hardening their resistance by telling them they're dumb and ignorant and don't know what they're doing. All of them. I talked to, well, talk to lots of them. And it's always the same story, which is I don't know who to trust. I don't know where to get good information. And I've been, like I told you, I've been telling them to get together with a doctor now. Get together with your doctor, someone you trust, and make that decision together the way medicine has always been practiced. And by the way, I will give you credit here where it's due, which is that you were one of the first people out of the gate, probably a, a month in before any, when everybody was just going along with groupthink, lock everything down, shut everybody down, just go I, I and you were one of the, how, do you know how many weeks that was in, basically? It was immediate, it was immediate, I, right when the, uh, the, well, it was actually during the Wuhan outbreak. It was, it, we hadn't even barely gotten to Italy yet. I was saying, stop using the word staggering. Stop it, it's not staggering. Yeah. There's gonna be big numbers. What are you gonna call that? Incomprehensible. I, so this was like this was probably like February of this 2020, February, right? This February. So really, I was in Denver you, on yeah. a TV show, and I said, "Just the press needs to shut up. Everything they're doing is going to create more problem. Panic does not help things. Listen to the CDC." I, then I was saying, "Listen to the CDC. Listen to Dr. Fauci. They're the people whose job it is to get us through this stuff." And then, like Trump derangement took off. It, it was like a like the New York Times editorial board had an opinion about medical management of a pandemic. They should net. They should be. Dis they, they should be. That to me, that's almost a criminal action to try to interfere with the operation 
of a medical decision-making process with an organization, multiple organizations, they scared everybody to death where my profession froze. And it, it, was, it was astonishing to see. It was astonishing. I, I made a huge mistake in, by, in there by in the middle, too. I was comparing it to H1N1, which was, see, it's, it's, it's a mistake to compare one pandemic from another. I, but I was just trying to get everyone just to kind of put it in context and calm down and let's make some good decisions. Think how different this would have been if, if somebody had said, this is going to be awful, we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. medical, medical, the medical system here in the United States is the best in the world. We'll flex up. We'll, we will have, it'll be a challenge, but we will get enough beds. We'll have enough ICU. We'll get more ventilators. And we're, we will find a way to a vaccine and some treatments. It's what we do best. So let's get this. Now, for a couple of weeks, while we figure kind things of out. what Trump said, isn't it? It's kind it, of it, what It was Trump impossible said. to tell what was coming out of there at that time. You, but. Yeah, well, there was a lot of different stuff coming out. But in the meantime, lock it down while we figure out what's going on, see if we're right, and see if this is really something that we can handle this way. And then let's, let's, let's get the, keep the kids in school like so many countries are doing. I mean, let's mi minimize the collateral damage from this thing instead of maximizing the collateral damage. In, in retrospect, do you think it's nuts? Like if I think I could, if I had a time machine, I had a DeLorean and I'm going back in time and had I'm here to have, that would pretty have, to, have <laughs> to be a DeLorean. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a phone booth, it's a DeLorean. I'm back in time. Uh, in, to me, it seems that we should not have locked down anything. We should have said to people, wear masks if you want to wear masks. We're, life is going to continue. We're going to work on a vaccine and we're just going to do the best we can. And to me, no matter what the result, even if the death uptick had been a bit more than it is right now, we would be much better off because now the cascading problems throughout society, yes. you've mentioned, you know, between work and health and mental health and everything oh, it's else. Weight, it, and, I mean, the amount of weight people have gained, there's all sorts of stuff. And, and to be fair, some people have been through this and, and benefited. Like I talked to a woman, 90-year-old woman this morning who said, you know, this thing's been a blessing for me because I could stay home and do these things. I thought, okay, I can accept that it's not all bad. Uh, but, and I have many friends, smart friends, who say, you know, when I say things like you just said, they go, mm, you know, we, we needed to lock down. We needed to figure out. We really didn't know what was going on. I go, okay, we, uh, for a while. But to have done it with no end point, with no goal. I remember, I was, you know, I did a local show here on Channel 11, on Fox 11, all through the pandemic. We were doing updates every day on what was going on. And we had somebody from the school board come in, you know, a weekend when they decided they were going to close the schools. And I was like, how did you arrive at this decision? Who were the physicians that advised you? Who were the we just decided to do it. It's like, wh why? How long? What are the consequences? How are you? You should see now the data. There's this group called Gaggle that documents the data of adverse events from the, uh, the use of screens in terms of sexting, access to porn, violent, violent and, and uh, uh, suicidal sort of uh, musing online. It's like up 400%. And it's up in, in elementary age as well as middle school and, because and high school. Because we literally forced them to have their only interactions Correct. on those screens. And did nothing to protect them from all the consequences of screens that we know. The screens, we're going to look at the screens the way we look at tobacco yeah. in 20 years. There's no doubt in my mind. But to think, think about it, we gave kids cartons of cigarettes. So this will make you feel better. Here you go. This will help you with your education. This so instead we said to them, you're not going to school. Put a computer in their room. They have access to God knows what all day on top of just the general... And on top of the isolation, the fear, the, you know, the lack of socialization, the lack of developmental milestones, and just and lack of academic progress, and just throw our hands up. Well, what are you going to do? Is there a psychological term for that feeling, that, that first two weeks when lockdowns were starting, yeah. where there was almost this odd excitement? Like, not, not joy, I would say, but everyone just felt like, oh, there's something going on. It's like a little bit out of our mundane lives. And I, I remember I, didn't I was have on that. Fox and I brought my dog on because I was home yeah. and they loved, my dog is on Fox. It's so great. I adopted a dog. They, like there was this feeling of like, oh, well, it's temporary. It's this weird thing. And we all kind of I like, know Clyde. He did not, he did not sit still for he a television not, show. So. Mundane so, he all right, fair enough. Yeah. That sounds like Clyde. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Something about that, that I, sort of group ex I think that, excitement. I think there's a certain, I, I didn't experience that. And I think a certain percent of the population always experiences stuff like that. When things are dangerous, they actually get high. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I, use it, I use the word nuclear winter to describe that. That to me felt like nuclear winter. It was mm -hmm. like, like a pall filled over everything. It was awful. I, I hated it. Hated every second of it. And I, I was not alone. It, it was really, uh, it was darkness. It was really darkness everywhere. And that is not a healthy thing for the human condition. 
That's about as bad as you can get. And why did we do it is the question. And why aren't we measuring what we did? And why aren't we sort of asking questions about what we should do differently next Right, time? that's what I was saying. Why yeah. aren't we asking any of those questions yeah. now? We're not doing any of that. It's so strange. It's do, so do you weird. have any... Uh, and by the way, I'm not against lockdown. I think, I think a temporary lockdown was probably what we needed to do. I mean, think about... But here, here's the thing. But why? That, if they well, didn't do it in Florida. Because we didn't know. We didn't know. But to be fair, he was right not to. You remember how he made his decision? He brought in a bunch of Nobel laureates. Do you remember that panel he had? I don't remember it specifically. Oh, I it watched it. It doesn't surprise I me. I watch yeah. it. He, yeah. I, he brought in three Nobel laureates and two other guys, if I remember right. And he just queried them for a couple of hours about the, how this, what this looks like, what the data is, how this works. And he went, at the end, he went, I see no, re I can see no compelling reason based on what you're saying that we should lock down. They all went, yeah. Wait, so then why are you partly for them? Because it was confusing, and, and I'm okay with people sort of, I, I remember being at the time thinking, I, I was not against locking down the schools. That always seemed insane to me. I also was very disturbed that they never were honest with us about who was really at risk for this thing. 85 plus is really at risk for this yeah. thing. Kids, not at risk. And that should have been clear from the beginning. But the fact that that we didn't really know what was going on, and I thought about, at the time I thought to myself, what if I was in this position and I was charged with keeping everybody safe? I probably would prepare for the worst case scenario, at least for a couple of minutes. And I thought, I, I don't think he's right, but okay, I, I'll go along with it for a little while. Never dreaming it would go on for ever. Right, well and, that's why if I had that time machine, yeah. to me you'd you basically. Oh, if I had the time machine? You basically do nothing. Not, not Oh, if nothing. I had the time machine? Yeah, if you oh. had the time machine. So, oh, if I knew so everything I know now. 2020. Oh, I know everything I know it's now. It's coming. We know something's coming. Uh, I would advocate for distancing. I would uh, keep kids in school. I would, uh, again, we didn't know the speed at which that R naught was going to go. Because uh, we were, we would have had, we would, if we'd done nothing, we would have ended up with something like we had in December and January of 2020, 2021 rather. And that was pretty nasty. That was pretty nasty. But we ended up with it anyway, is the point. And the virus does what the virus does. There does not seem to be a lot that we do that really changes the behavior of the virus. What we can change is how it affects us. That we can change. Make milder illness, get antivirals, vaccinate. That we can do. Should we be paying attention to any of these other horse dewormers or things that crazy right-wing maniacs like Joe Rogan are uh, talking about? Early treatments, like, like, can you say the words on your, I got put it on YouTube, Jeff. We're on twice. Rumble now, we'll be okay, all right, good. we'll be all right. Uh, so, I don't think, I, 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 I talked to it, there's, there are nodes in this pandemic for me in terms of the, the ability to be open and honest. One node was when Fauci said, yeah, maybe this, we'll look into whether this thing came from a Wuhan lab. I felt like, oh, now we can have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a pulmonologist yesterday from the Cleveland Clinic, and it was on a stream show, and he said, well, you know, at the beginning, remember, at the beginning of that program, we all were prescribing hydroxychloroquine. And I thought, oh, we can say that now? Right. Doctors everywhere. Right, we were, were getting kicked off YouTube six months later. You couldn't, you couldn't say it. the yeah. word. These are words. Yeah. This is a medicine that Joy Behar and other people and Don Lemon had just learned how to pronounce. They just learned how to pronounce it. I've been using it for decades. It's one of the safest medicines yeah. you can use. And we were prescribing it because we had nothing else to offer. And this looked like it might be helpful. So doctors routinely were prescribing it. Now we can say that. We can be honest about it. that's what we were doing. Didn't do much, if anything. I think ivermectin may be a little better, but not much. I think, I think once you have real treatments, that's going to all go away. And you're going to have real treatments that have real effects. It's the difference between essentially drinking cranberry juice for your urinary tract infection versus taking Scepter or taking Cipro. It, it's, it's a lot different. It's right. a lot different. You, you mentioned that one of the things that's changed you in this is that you value freedom more. You yeah. understand the concept yeah. a little bit yeah. more. The fact that you just said, uh, all right, we couldn't talk about HCQ. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And, and YouTube was booting people off yep. and Twitter was getting rid of for, people. For doctors talking about just discussing the evidence. Not, not saying you should do this or yeah. shouldn't do it, just discussing the evidence. Quite literally, off. quite literally. Doctors that we, we know. 100%. Yeah. Um, how, has any of this changed your feelings on any of the big tech stuff? I know that's not totally your domain, but as, a, as someone that communicates this stuff for a living, I have no doubt that not only online options have probably closed in some ways, but I would yeah. guess some of the mainstream stuff, right? Like, are you getting less calls because you're willing to talk I, about I was getting stuff? less calls for a while. Now it's now that sort of, like I said, there are nodes in this thing where you can start to be honest about this yeah. and you don't have to cancel people if they're trying to be honest. So I am getting more opportunities to speak right now because people want to take a look at this and see what happened, what people's opinions are, rather than opinions being dangerous and needing, needing to be canceled, which was, think about how crazy that is. Have you ever been through a period of history like this? Anywhere? I've personally been through it. But Where? Uh, 
Wait, no, 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 I mean, you know, this. well, you mean just generally about cancel culture? I mean, this sort of thing? No, I mean, a, a period of In America, of history, we've never had right, anything like never this. Right, we've never seen like this. Yeah. Uh, although we have had periods of extreme polarization, right? Oh, no, I guess, in the, you know, in the 50s, some degree of, like, Well, communist, this is the same thing, yeah. right? This is very yeah. similar to that. But but usually, in the face of that kind of stuff, we, we come up with a center. We really do, whether it's Teddy Roosevelt or Abraham Lincoln or these are... People argue, people tell me that Abraham Lincoln was a radical. He was a centrist. He was, he was interested in finding a middle path. I feel like we're going to come up with something like that, I, I hope. And, and the reality is that's going to be the populist movement. Trump is not the populist movement. Obama, there's going to be some middle, much like, I, I, Teddy Roosevelt's in my head as the model. And something like that's going to kind of rise up, I think. Because there's so many people in this country that are just are fearful and afraid to speak their mind and are rational people with good ideas and wondering what went wrong with their government, right? Well, well to that point, do you think there's something else going on with all, with all of us psychologically well, there that is has something led interesting. to this political all right, thing? So, so, putting aside COVID specifically. All right, so this is a, okay, uh, I'm going to have to build this case for you. All right. I wrote a book on narcissism, right? And the book documented very clearly we've had a narcissistic turn. I, I, we have. There's no argue, no disputing that anymore. We've, we've had a de in the 1850 they debated whether narcissistic disorder even existed. There's no debate in, in 2021. <laughs> it, it, it and it and exists, I, in yeah. the 80s, I was working in a psychiatric hospital, and we'd have these admitting sheets with the axis one, two, and three diagnoses, and axis two are the personality disorders. When I arrived there in 1985, axis two had all kinds of different personality disorders: obsessive compulsive, dependent. All kinds of things, antisocial. And then around 1988-89, I noticed that all of a sudden all the other personality disorders went away and all only cluster Bs were being admitted, which are the narcissistic disorders, borderline sociopath, narcissist, histrionic. Those were the those are the cluster Bs. And that's it ever since. Everyone has a cluster B disorder. Hmm. Now, where do the cluster Bs come from? They come from childhood trauma. Now at the same time I was doing Love Line all and all I was every night, every call sexual abuse, physical abuse, neglect. I mean, it was pandemic. The, the 70s unleashed something, and it unleashed it on people to do it. First, it took the attitude that, that children were little beings, little adults, little sexual beings. They just need to express it. And if some adult predator was around, it's like, hey, man, he's into it. He, he wanted to, you know, there's a lot of horrible stuff going on for a year, and that person didn't do that once. They did it many, many times. And then that child has a probability of being a perpetrator. So it was expanding rapidly all over the place. I was hearing about it all the time. When I wrote the narcissistic book, I, I wanted to do a chapter on, we're back to the French Revolution again, on pre-revolutionary France. And the reason was I, was, I was looking across the historical sweep and I, and I thought, this is not normal. There's, it's not as though periods of this degree of childhood sexual abuse is normative in, in social, even in highly distressed populations, in war, in, in impoverished area, not this kind of exploitation of children. There are other periods of history where this must have happened, and the only really good one I could find was 1750 France, where, where children were routinely marginalized, were abused sexually, were, you know, the families were broken apart, there was, there was libertinism everywhere, and it was destructive to children, and then you get the French Revolution. I was talking to the woman that helped me wrote the book on narcissism, and I said, do you remember me obsessing about 1750 France and wanting to put that in? And she was like, oh yeah, you were, you were hell-bent on it, but the publisher wouldn't let me, saying it was too far-fetched. Right. And the point I wanted to make was, is that when there's that kind of childhood trauma, you get a lot of narcissism and a lot of unregulated emotions, particularly aggression, and that results in collective mobs and guillotines, scapegoating. Scapegoating mechanisms is what keeps people that are aggressive from attacking out on each other. They get together and they act out on one. I didn't know about social media. I didn't know about cancellation, but there it is. That's the cancel culture. So there's the, the big sweep, but there's a new wrinkle in this that I did not see coming. Can I, can I finish it? Yeah, yeah, of course. And when, when I, I mean, a couple years ago, I, I was sitting here and I, and I was hearing th discourse that to me sounded delusional and like frankly delusional. And I thought, oh my God, if, if somebody came in my office in, 19, in 2015 and said, uh, you know, there's Nazis. I have to go kill some Nazis. There's Nazis. There's a Nazi and a Nazi and a Nazi, and she's a Nazi. And, oh, well, the government, there's Russian operatives in the White House. I'd say, you are being, you're going to the hospital right now. <laughs> right. I'm going to admit you for delusional, some, some psychotic disorder. And I thought, oh, my God, that is everywhere. We, we are prone to delusionality. Well, when are people prone to delusions? 
when they become histrionic. So we've shifted from pure narcissism into histrionic disorder. And histrionics are prone to getting swept into, you know, sort of collective ideas. They have a lot of emotionality. They have, you know, extreme acting out behaviors. I mean, it's all with us now. It's what we're seeing. I don't know if the pandemic caused it or it was something that's coming anyway, but histrionic is sort of the disorder, the, the, the order of the day. All right, so now I think we're, we're into the meat here. So okay. when I turn on, or I don't, I don't have a T, I don't have cable anymore, but when I see clips, let's say of MSNBC during the day, and they are saying the most outrageous, yeah. over-the-top white supremacists have taken over, Trump is leading the Nazis for the insurrection, like to stuff that to my ear sounds, you live in an alternate reality, and I talk about it on the show a lot. These people live in a different reality than me. I don't know how we mitigate that. Bring it that. together. I don't know how we do that. So if I, if someone that is watching this and they have someone in their family that is listening to this yeah. stuff and really believes Nazis are everywhere and all this stuff, yeah. what would you do? How do we deprogram well, I, these I, people? I have been obsessing about this for a few weeks now as I've sort of crystallized these ideas. And the, the only way I know of to do it is what we call sort of reality testing getting people back to reality. Keep keep emphasizing real numbers, real facts, just keep them in reality. It's about all you can do, and, and use reality That, that ain't easy these days, because people don't trust it's numbers It's not anymore. easy, I know, I know, I don't trust them either, and so that's why it's hard, but you've got to just stay with what's real. Do you know any Nazis? Have you seen Nazis? Or Like, try to stay in the reality of the moment. And the more you get to reality, the more you can break down the delusions. Uh, and it's, it, it's not easy and it may not even be possible. That's what worries me. I, I don't know that it's possible. I, I do know that the media, you know this as well as I do, the, the people producing the media are really just, they do something and they look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. Did that create numbers or not? Hey, when she talked about Nazis, it, it really got a spike in the numbers. Do more of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they believe what they're saying or not. The problem is they're fueling delusionality. And so you have to, again, let's talk about what they're doing on TV here. Let's talk about the people. Let's look at who's cre creating the information you're looking at. Let's look at some alternative ideas here. You've got to stay, much like with vaccine hesitancy, you have to treat people with respect and be very sort of um, magnanimous in your approach. You have to be just sort of, hmm. You know, I, I recommend the use of therapeutic wonderment all the time. I wonder what that, if the world were flat, I wonder, hmm, I wonder how that would work with trigonometry. That, I, wonder, I wonder how they could get a, you know, something to the, uh, just a lot of wondering, 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 and just keep the reality coming in, and eventually you kind of get through. Do you think some of this is just sort of like, it's almost like, at the end of a successful society. No, that, don't talk that way. Well, no, I still have hope. Believe okay. me, I have a lot right. of hope. I think okay. we can get to some okay. of the things that you're talking about, I okay. do. I don't know that it exactly comes out of the center, but yeah. putting that aside, that at, at some stage of a liberal democracy yeah. that is flourishing, mm -hmm. you will have allowed in so many crazy ideas, you will have gotten so fat on freedom and doing what you want and living yeah. as you wish, which is mostly good, that then, you will have drag queen story hour, you will have the Surgeon General saying that a biological man is a female, you will have all of this stuff, like it's just the end game in a way of this, which as a California liberal, I think is how you describe yourself, is a, is a sad position to have to defend. This is again back to keeping reality coming in. Re reality eventually comes to bear. Reality has a way of coming in. And you can say all the, Abraham Lincoln has a famous, there, some of this must have been going on in the Civil War too, because Abraham Lincoln has a very, wasn't a famous quote, it was a quote that caught my attention as it pertains to our current moment. He came into the cabinet meeting one day, and he, you know, Chase and all those guys are there, and he goes, gentlemen, if I say an elephant's trunk is a leg, <laughs> you hear this? Yeah. How many legs does that elephant have? And they all go, well, five, I guess. And he goes, no, yeah. four. Calling it a leg doesn't make it a leg. And I thought, that's this moment. You can, call, you can say anything you want. It doesn't make it so. You're trying to make it so, it, it won't be. It just so, isn't. You can't make things so. But there is an interesting thing you said here, yeah. too, also, which is you talked about the, the limits of freedom at the same time as we're sort of defending freedom. I would not really thought about that, because in a way, the way we got here is because of sort of in a weird way, excessive freedom to the point that reality was was uh, subjugated. Well, you know? it's, it's more and freedom now, to instead of freedom from, right? So we, you yeah. want freedom from well, it, it reminds persecution. You of, it, right, it reminds you of the, the tolerance and intolerance. Yeah. It's intolerance in the name of tolerance. It's, it's a weird, this is a weird spot. 
Uh, I do feel, though, that the excesses of freedom and brought us to the place where freedom from, yes, needs to be defended. So yes. uh, I know that the, well, this is, we're actually all bouncing around through a lot of the stuff that's in your book. It right is now. in the book. It's, it's, but in, in let me just ways. say, the, yeah. if the book is written by me and my daughter. Yeah. Uh, she is very woke, uh, and she actually helped me understand some of her point of view. I really got to a better understanding of where she sees these things. Uh, and it's designed for a 15-year-old and their parents, essentially. It's something you should leave out on your coffee table if you have middle late teenagers, how to navigate relationships. It was originally about consent, because back when we, before COVID, consent was something in the heels of the Me Too movement was a very, very important conversation, and adolescents were very confused about it. We realized as we wrote the book, it really is about how to navigate relationships generally. So, so to that point, so you're, you just described your daughter as woke, which yeah. I think a lot of people watching this would go, In, fact, in fact, we were on <laughs> Megyn Kelly, and yeah. Megan went, I think you're the first woke person I've ever had on this show. And because she launched into her oh, patriarchy thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Megan and Megan was great. She was very gracious, and she Pushed back, and we had a nice, nice. That, that's good. Yeah. That's a nice. That's exactly. And then my daughter's like, I shouldn't be on these kinds of shows. I'm like, if you want to make your point, where you want to make it to the echo chamber, make it to Megan Kelly. Yeah. That's where you should be making it. If you want to, if you want to bring people on board with your point of view. What kind of tension has that caused you? Because every and I? every single person watching this is going through some version of that, myself included. For she and you've I, got someone woke in your family. Um, and, and it actually really improved our situation because I think there was a. We were forced to, to really clarify our positions to one another by talking to somebody else. And uh, I, it helped me. It helped me. And by the way, I started admiring how she thought about things. You can admire people that have ideas that are different than yours. I, I, don't, I feel like for her, reality will come in a little more and she'll adjust this something. But I, I admire what she's thinking about and that she's struggling with these things. And I get it. So, I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. And so that's that's how I would approach it. So without making this about her specifically, yeah. although if you want to, yeah. if you okay. want to, feel free. Well, if we you, have no if, issue. Generally right? speaking, if you were to say to a woke person, there are biological differences between you'd have men to you'd and have women, to males you'd, and females. You'd have to say, look, I'm not a biological determinism. I, you'd have to find the just get the common ground quick. Just go look. I agree, gender is a construct, and it's not about strictly the biology. But, and I actually put this in the book. This is this is where I was pushing back kind of hard in the book. I was like, I'm a physician, right? Yeah, I, I have to know the the sex hormones and what they're doing biologically. I have to know that. And by the way, if I'm going to deal with a transgender, they are getting very powerful medication from maybe me that are hormones that are not being produced because of the hormone because of the chromosomal situation. That's a medical treatment. I need to know what I'm doing. And that's my main, that's actually my main thing about uh, treatment and transgender right now is I don't think my profession is doing a good job. The job should be the right treatment for the right patient at the right moment. And we have not figured that out. They're all getting everything the same. And that is never is good. That's never what good. What do you medicine. think happened, I guess, at the, the psychiatric layer when it comes to this? I, I'm guessing. I'm not talking about psychiatric. I'm talking about, I'm just talking about push all that aside and just say somebody's going to get treatment. Uh, the, you know, when do you do it? And who do you give it to? And who's the right one to give it to? And how do you determine that? that none of that is just everybody gets the treatment, no questions asked. That's it. That, that's, that's not how you do medicine. Right. So then what happened? Okay, so more broadly, yeah. then what happened at the medical layer where, I, I, you I know, don't, Abigail Schreier wrote this same thing that book about... Same thing, same thing that happened uh, during COVID. Same thing that happened is my physician freezes. They freeze. And they're afraid to do anything. They're afraid to say anything. So I, something I didn't know until COVID is that so many of my peers are employees now. So they're fearful of doing something out of line for their employer. They're in That's interesting. So there's less that just have their own practice Almost now because of the nature exist. of... It yeah. doesn't exist. So if yeah. you say something wrong, the employer will fire you. And I've talked to doctors that have been fired for saying something online that didn't fit the orthodoxy of the institution. And, uh, as well as a, a fear of the cancel culture and fear of people coming after them and fear of people encumbering their license. I mean, they're scared. Doctors are so easily scared. That's how we end up with the opioid epidemic because doctors started getting criminally prosecuted for inadequate treatment of pain. Mm -hmm. They were getting fined and going to, that's not malpractice, that's criminal and civil liability. And we all froze. We, st we stopped prescribing for pain patients and sent them all to the pain management people. Mm -hmm. And their position was, Pain is what the patient says it is. Pain controls what the patient says it is. You don't even need a doctor. Just ask the patient what they need and set it, set it up the counter. We'll have a Starbucks. Point at what you want. They were doing that in Florida at one point. And that's how you got the opioid epidemic. So relating this to the, to the trans issue, yeah. since it's one of the issues of the day, and, yeah. and since you were talking to your daughter, I, I'm woke, just, I mean, 
we seem unable to have that basic thing. But I get it. You can you, you can have it. There are soft ways to have it. No, yeah, but, you can, but, but in some ways you get it, into it. Then you, minute, once you're into you, it, you can disagree on things. Sure, but when you see the surge, I don't know if you saw it, the Surgeon General of the United States sending out a tweet that Rachel Levine is our first four-star female, blah, blah, blah. She, I'll use her preferred pronouns because I'm a nice guy. She's not female. But when you see the Surgeon General I, saying I, I that, get, well, I get, there, there is a... There's a lot of orthodoxy around the language. Did she say female or, female. Wo or woman? No, female. We can that's pull the it part. Because we'll, we'll, that's yeah, the part we'll, we'll I, I, I have trouble sure. with the female yeah. part. Because I, mean, I have no I have no problem with calling a, a transgender woman a woman. I have no and because she I'm I none I, have no I agree. I'll, I'll, yeah, and, but okay. but if when you start saying you know you start trying to trying to adjust the biology, it's like I, that. And then I'm then I'm concerned. Then it's like I, how do I treat this person? How do I know what I'm dealing with? I mean I do I do I as a gynecologist, should I be treating men? Is that as a as a as a as a urologist, should I pretend that women have a prostate? Screen them for prostate cancer because they want me to? I hate to That's, tell you what I think most of their answers would be. You've got to be kidding. Not really. No, no, no. Uh, listen, I am very concerned about transphobia and about the. I, I don't want those people to. I don't want anybody with those people. I don't want anybody with any conditions to feel marginalized or sure. not a part of. Sure. I want everyone to get along. I mean, that's my thing. And so, you know, people want to use certain language. I'll try to figure it out. I'll try to go with it. But I'm a biologist, and there's certain things I just have to have in order to do my work. That's all. So, are you surprised how woke? The hard sciences became that two plus yes. two doesn't always yes. equal. I always thought that that would, I always thought that would not happen. That was shocking to me. I still think that will quickly come back. That can only happen for so long before science doesn't work. Well, how quick? I mean, well, the question always is then, what kind of destruction can they? Well, they create? will do. I know, but they will be quietly doing what they do. It's, it's just, it's just where it is. You what, can't do it otherwise. What else is on your mind these days? Um. In, in this just craziness that we seem to be in. I, it is craziness. I Because I, it does seem like a mass psychological disorder that we're all going through. Yes. And, and you're a public person in the midst of all of this. Yeah, and it's it been like, very... That's what I mean. It feels like your life sort of led to this. Oh, it's been very um, unpleasant. <laughs> it's been terribly unpleasant. But I feel like my job is to really keep walking through it. But but I got to tell you, the, the only thing I would say is I, I'm leaning on philosophy a lot right now. I think that's I think stoicism has remarkable utility right now. Stoicism is like a like a antiviral mm -hmm. sort of uh, system for our, our cognitive systems. It, we have lots of glitches in our cognitive system. It's some of what's going on here is that people don't know how to reason, don't know how to think, don't know how to assess things, and, and stoicism adjusts the, the cognitive processes very nicely. The other thing is I'm kind of, I, I didn't know I would ever become this way, but I find myself being a little bit Hegelian in the sense that, which he, he didn't actually say this, but there's a construct around his thinking is that there's a antithesis, a thesis, an antithesis, and then a synthesis. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're in some sort of antithetical movement now that will bring good things. I, I'm trying to say positive, that yeah. there'll be good things that come of it and we'll have some sort of synthetic function that will uh, get us through this. You said something to me as we were walking in here today that made me w worried that that, that 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 process will not take hold. But that tends to be how how Wait, history. Wait, what did I does. say? What did I say? You said you, you were said, worried right before we started. Well, I was. We were talking about cities in this country and our concerns about them and what a disaster they are. And you said, well, that's the plan yeah. to prove. Oh. to prove. Yeah. Well, but, that's, I thought, but uh, I don't know that that's counter to the to the idea. There. Well, it's you, just you, that I believe that the intentions of these people related to their policies, yeah. if you defund police and then you increase crime and then murder goes up and you look at the data and you keep doing it, my, my belief is that their intentions are to destroy some of these cities to prove in their minds that capitalism doesn't work. Thus, they can usher in whatever it is that they want to. That's that's different that, than that's, the sort of pure. I, I get it. That's know. really antithesis. Antithesis. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's you know. And we were talking about anarchists when yeah. we walked in here. We were, we were talking about right, uh, right. Michael Malice and things like that. But uh, that the, whenever ideology prevails, humans suffer. Okay. We need a pragmatic party. We need a pragmatic system that's based on the human reality, what human, how humans work, what our motivational systems are. The one thing is when you sit in the middle, you can kind of see the excesses on both sides. And one of the things I keep seeing uh, on, the, on the progressive side is they seem in total denial of how humans work and what our motivational systems are and how 
how humans are. And I don't mean just at this historical moment, just the, I mean, I've worked for years with humans with all kinds of broken motivational system. I know how our brain works, I know how our emotional systems work, I know how our inter interpersonal and inter intersubjective experiences are supposed to go. They're in, they're just in abject denial about that. And history is replete with uh, examples of when ideology becomes the prevailing principle that people get harmed massively. Wasn't there massively a guy in massively. Germany in the 30s who thought he was uh, the biggest you, victim all time and then something bad happened? Look, you could, I, I, I hate that that guy's brought up all the time. You could bring up all kinds of other people throughout yeah. history that have done the same thing. And it's, 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 un, it's interesting that we're getting a little lesson on how that can happen. One of the things that was shocking to me, this is one thing that I think Malice was saying when he was talking to Jordan Peterson, or Jordan Peterson was saying it, was that um, we, we deputized people during this pandemic to, to be um, an authority. You, you know, so anybody, because I, I remember I, I got COVID, in my humble opinion, by trying to get the vaccine at a time. So, so I was treating lots of COVID patients. I was still operating my outpatient practice. And my hospital started offering the vaccine. And I went, I, I got to get this vaccine. So I made an appointment. I went in. And when I went in, a 28-year-old guy started screaming at me, where, where are your papers? I mean, it was like a border crossing wow. scene from a Second World War film. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, was, I was sort of stunned and, and astonished. And he started you know, yelling at me. And I thought, I've been a staff member at this hospital for 35 years. You, you treat senior staff. Do you like this? It was so confusing to me. I was, does this feel good to do this? Yes, it does. That's yeah, how people yeah. do that. They, and so didn't have the right papers. I had to run all over the hospital. I was in many poorly ventilated rooms. I thought, this is how I'm going to get COVID. Three days later, sick. And they wouldn't get me the vaccine because first they had to, even though I made the case, I said, I'm treating COVID patients. Yeah. I'm volunteering in the ER. I want to help with this problem. We have employees that are, in, are really at higher, really, we got we to gotta be fair. And we have to give it to our employees first before. So the gardeners and everybody else got it before me and I got sick. So the gardener got it everybody, before you. <laughs> everybody before me. That was somebody that did not like one of your TV shows, perhaps. Mm -hmm. All right, so in our last couple minutes here, I think uh -huh. we've, we've pieced together a decent sort of psychological picture of what's going on in the United Have States. Have we? I'm still mystified. Well, maybe a little bit, but I do want to give the devil his due here. Okay. Uh, obviously, I'm much more critical of the left. Obviously, I can talk about the woke stuff all day. No. Uh, but when you talk about some of the personality disorders that yeah. are maybe happening over there or they don't really understand human nature. I didn't say over there. It's all of us. Okay, so now we'll no, that's what I want you to do then. So no. give me some of that on the right. Is it's there, all of us. Is there it something is... maybe that I'm not seeing that's more broadly happening on the right? Or I what, see the same the, excesses yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just that one right now is sort of more in charge and more sort of um, in, involved with our everyday life. You know what I mean? We're having interactions. People are yelling. I walked by somebody. I ran by somebody who, when I wasn't wearing a mask. I was out running, and the guy was like, ah! "Like that's that kind of thing." I don't see that stuff from the right. I don't right. see this. So what, what am I not but, seeing there then? If it if it is, I get it. They have more yeah, cultural I power that, now, so it feels I, louder. I, I wanted that same thing myself. You know what? What am I not seeing? That uh, I I would say. You know, usually on the right, rigidity is more the problem. There's more openness on the left and more rigidity on the right. And, and the rigidity can go towards excess. I, I've, I've seen some of our friends say things where I get the same, my butt muscles tighten up in a similar fashion, like, <laughs> I don't think you really mean that. And I don't say anything. Right. I don't say anything to them either about their early treatments or, you know, what they're thinking about the virus or vaccines or anything like that. It's like, hey, you're entitled to your opinion. That, that's fine. Um, if you want me to talk to me, I'm available. Right. That kind of thing. I guess, I so. guess for me, the fundamental difference would be that for whatever rigidity is there, and of yeah. course, of course it is. If you're, if you're more conservative by nature, you're, that, less, sort of you're less into change. Okay. Yeah. But to me, it's like in a time when the world is just spinning off the cliff because of this craziness. But it makes them more a little, rigid. A little rigidity is okay, little, and it makes them more rigid. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. A little rigidity is, not, is I'm, I'm up for it. But, yeah. but, but the rigidity can have a problem too. Uh, and, and, that, and I think that in there creates some of the, the funny thinking. And, and, and there's a, um, what is it over there that bothers me that could get out of control? Yeah, my, my fear I is. I try to find it. I, I'm trying to yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we should you know, keep an eye out for it. Well, we, because you know why? They're, everyone's in hiding right now. So we really, I, I see, I see gl glimpses of it. It pops out yeah. in parties and things or somewhere where everyone just goes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, and, and I'm thinking, where does that go when it gets to be? I think my fear is there'll be 
you know, there'd be retribution and guillotines on that side too. That's my fear. So if, if, the, if the right cannot do that and stay focused on some pragmatic solutions and staying positive and getting everybody in the, on the ship, it, it will be much to everyone's advantage. The problem is the pendulum seems to go both ways. And I, I'm fearful that. And, and the same processes are going on there that, that elsewhere. It, it's just, just different themes, different themes. It, it's, it's very concerning. I'm very worried about it. But I, but I remain optimistic, and that's just me. I'm always optimistic about people. I love people, and I feel like, especially Americans, I, I, my, my big push would be to try to get us under the, <laughs> under the umbrella of what got us all here in the first place. Why did my ancestors come here? Yep. Why, yep. Did, why did my family run away from the Ukrainian genocide, thank God? Why did they avoid the, the Bolsheviks and the, and the Tsarists? All three were getting on my family's case, and by the way, I, I get be called. I'm called anti-immigrant. Yeah, yeah. Again, fuck you, hmm? that, because my family escaped a, a genocide that you, you, one of the ones you guys have all forgotten about. So, uh, we, they came here because of an idea, and we have to get clear about that idea again, and we have to value that idea again. I feel like that's what's under attack, really, when you get right down to it. That the the, the principles and the ideas that those those geniuses, yes, they were old white men, there were some slave owners, and there were some horrible things. Hamilton was a screwball, but, but, but there was, there was an extraordinary set of ideas put forth at that time that have been the umbrella for multiple generations of humans from multiple regions of the, every region of the world and multiple ethnicities to get along to an uncanny degree and, and, and lead good lives. If we could just get back to that, the basics, and I'm not saying brainwash everybody and stand up and pledge allegiance every day. I'm not saying that. Just expose everybody to those good ideas and agree that they're good ideas and see if we can live under that under those principles. Drew, I know you're a TV pro because not only do you look at the camera when you make a point, I, do but right the I hour. didn't even have to tell you we can't end depressingly. We have to end positively and did it. It's good to see you, my friend. You as well. Appreciate Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.